It's time now for Illinois Innovators, spotlighting the leaders in research, technology, and entrepreneurship from the engineering at Illinois community. Welcome to another edition of Illinois Innovators. I'm your host, Mike Kuhn. Today's guest, Sakshi Srivastav, both is a model of determination and someone whose knowledge has taken her into cutting-edge research. A native of India, she came to Illinois to study engineering, earning a Bachelor of Science degree in 2015, and a Master of Science in 2017. She has served as a research assistant under Associate Dean and ECE Professor Jennifer Bernhard on investigating the role of antenna parameters in reducing interference. She has also worked as an intern at Microsoft. Most recently, she's featured in a chapter of a book co-authored by Illinois Engineering's Laura Hahn and Angie Wolters, titled Women and Ideas in Engineering, 12 Stories from Illinois. The chapter is titled Inspiring the Future Generation and talks about her role in the creation of a woman engineering statue on the Illinois campus. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you for having me over. So talk about your background, how you got uh, interested in engineering, and I uh, had uh, have seen your TED Talk and, and how you were determined to find the right school for you and how you wound up at Illinois. Right. Um, I've always liked math, and then I found physics, and then I fell in love with physics. And so that was part of me that I kind of knew that I wanted to be in STEM, I wanted to be an engineer, and of course, uh, you, uh, for me, I realized what exactly engineering is the more I started getting involved after I came to Illinois. But my interest in becoming an engineer came from my passion for math and physics and just how nature works and how electrons flow and stuff like that. And then, of course, I started off as an engineering physics major and I changed my major to electrical engineering about a year into the program when I figured out that I wanted to be on the more application-oriented side of things. And so that's how I ended up in ECE. But uh, as far as figuring out which school to go to, that's a very interesting story to tell because I feel like uh, I chose the school and then the school chose me uh, because when it all started with, you know, I was a sophomore probably in high school, like it's been so many years ago, I'm starting to forget. Uh, but basically I found a, like a list of uh, best schools in the world and I started looking into, you know, what really good engineering schools look like. And then of course I stumbled upon different lists online and I was able to kind of go to the websites of these schools and look up uh, different things and the facilities that are available. And of course, the fact that undergrads could do research would just blew my mind. And it was definitely something I was hoping I would be able to do as an undergrad. And so I was in India back then. So I decided that, okay, I this is something I probably want to give a, give a try. And uh, so I started looking into how to apply to these schools because I wanted to attend the best schools uh, for, for my undergrad. And honestly, I don't think like I, <laughs> I realized what I was doing because I was just so young back then that I, it wasn't crossing my mind that I'm basically talking about moving almost halfway across the world. I mean, right now, the time difference between India and US is 11 and a half hours, so it's like, almost across the world and so I was just for me what was important was that I get to go to a really good school 
And so I figured out that, okay, there's something called SATs and there's something called TOEFL. Okay, let's sit and let's read what these are. So I basically did all my research on my own um, from even figuring out what SAT stands for and how do you sign up, then what do you study, how do you get books. And then, of course, since there weren't many people who were trying to do this, at least in my hometown, there weren't many resources to help people out with this either. So I had to go to New Delhi to buy books. And of course, uh, you know, online shopping wasn't really uh, a thing back then, at least not in my family. So it was also something that I just did not dabble with. So I we went to New Delhi to buy books. And then I sat down and I basically started studying. I joined these online forums to read about, you know, how do other people study? How are people studying for this in America? Because you know they know how to do this, and so I did that. And then I had I took the exam, and then I didn't really do very well the first time because I of course didn't know what I was doing in terms of just how I can make myself better. So I had to kind of you know work my way through this. I had to navigate this thing, and the hardest part was navigating it alone. And but knowing that my, you know, my family and friends are supportive. And that was, I think, the big, big part of it was that, you know, in moments where I didn't feel like it, it's something that could be achieved, my parents were not discouraging. They were like, no, you can do it. And then even they didn't really <laughs> think I could do it. And they told me this, like, in, I think in my sophomore year of college, they're like, <laughs> yeah, we have no idea how you made it. We were like... <laughs> Let's just let her try this. And then, you know, after a year, she'll realize. And then, you know, she can stay here. But you got in. And then we were like, oh, looks like we need to send her. <laughs> so I had to basically navigate that part on my own. Uh, there were, you know, my friends who would try to help me either, you know, study for the exam or they would, like, help me just be more more active in trying to find a way for myself. And that was the first step. And then of course, I when I didn't do well, <laughs> I remember going to my mom and being like, whoops, sorry. <laughs> but then again, I wasn't expecting this, but she was like, you, you know, you should give it a try again if this is something you are really passionate about. And so I did that. And then of course, after that, I eventually told my teachers and everybody in school because I needed the letter of re letters of recommendation. And so that was also a, a whole story in itself. Like they were concerned, but they were also wanted to help. And some, some people were skeptical. Like the more people found out, the skepticism was also something that started showing up. Uh, and again, working through that was a little difficult, but end of the day, I applied to a bunch of schools and I got into one school. <laughs> that was University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. And uh, that was that's basically how I came to Illinois. Although I remember um, going to my parents and saying, well, looks like I don't have any financial aid, so I don't think I'm going. And then my parents were like, wait, what? we were planning on sending you, wh why aren't you going? And I'm like, well, I really don't want to put you guys through this, you know? And they were like, well, in that case, you know, we're going to help you through it. And then my dad basically three days later uh, 
came in and he explained to me how they are going to figure this out and figure the financial aspects of this for me. And uh, that was, that I'm so grateful to my parents. And then of course, once that was taken care of, then came, you know, all the paperwork and everything. And finally I got to Illinois. So yeah, that's, I came, that's how <laughs> I got here. So and it's one thing to, to get here, to be accepted. Uh, you mentioned that uh, one of the things that attracted you here was the fact that you can do research as an undergrad. Mm -hmm. So, you know, talk about the transition because uh, there had to be some challenges there along the way. And then how did you jump into to going into research very early in your academic career here? Uh, I think what was really helpful was that my professors and everybody was very encouraging. I think that's something uh, I am very grateful for that professors encourage you, your seniors encourage you, so people who are maybe sophomores or juniors, seniors, who see a freshman around and they're like, hey, you know, there are different ways in which you can get uh, in, uh, involved in undergraduate research. And so that part was very helpful in knowing that this is not something that cannot be achieved. It's, it's something that is very much within my grasp. And uh, how I got involved was through an organization called Pure, which is promoting undergraduate research in engineering. So that I did in my sophomore year, actually, uh, once I became an ECE major. And that was in computer vision and pattern recognition. Uh, I worked with a graduate student. I think he sat in Beckman a uh, long, long time ago. And, um, and so I worked with him for a year. And then I took a break from research because I kind of needed to figure out it for myself, what exactly was it that I wanted to know and wanted to research on because, uh, you know, finding a good topic for yourself is a very difficult task because there's so much, there's so much wonderful uh, stuff that you can play with and things you can learn about. But then there's one thing that, that you know, makes your tail wag, if you may. Uh, and so being able to find something that you are passionate about is a, it's a difficult task. So I took a year off from research and just focused on taking classes and figuring out what was it that I really liked. And then um, uh, starting the summer after my junior year, I started working with Professor Bernhard. And now I am in her research group. So I did my senior's thesis with her, my master's thesis with her, and now I'm doing my uh, doctoral dissertation and research with her. So what went into the decision to kind of sidestep uh, engineering physics and, and into electrical and computer engineering? That was, again, I am just so grateful for the people that I have met. Uh, what was interesting for me was, you know, when I came into engineering physics, I was like, okay, let's see. Uh, what are the different courses I can take and what, what is the curriculum like? And so my perception of what engineering physics would be like, I felt like it would be more a bit of different engineering and you learn about the physics behind them. Uh, but what I think I learned uh, while moving forward in that is that it was very similar to the physics that's taught uh, in College of LAS, which is amazing, but I wanted to be on the engineering side, like the more application-oriented side. And I'm sure there are different ways, which I am not aware of, in which you can cater your program such that it becomes more application-oriented and you can, you know, uh, get the taste of what you are seeking. Uh, but for me, I kind of started to feel that I had to move to something where 
I felt like I belonged. And uh, I took EC 110 in, I think, spring of 2012. That was second semester of my freshman year. And I just loved it. I loved every single moment of it. And that was when I knew that I needed to switch. I enjoyed working on circuits. I liked making, you know, in 110, we built a car, uh, a car that moved on its own. So it was uh, uh, an aut autonomous car. I think that's what they call it. And it, it was just incredible to see that that was my brain that made that car move. And the fact that my brain could do that and I could make machines work was very, very elating to see that final product eventually. Okay, so you're you're in a, a foreign country for you. Yes. Um, you're you've changed majors. Um, you've got involved in research. You've sort of taken a, a year off to to find yourself a little bit, um, and then you get involved in in trying to. Um, um, put a women uh, engineer statue on this campus. Talk about that uh, because that was that's quite a process. Right. No, that was <laughs> quite a process and it took a while. But honestly, the amount of support and care and nurturing uh, I have felt I have gotten from the college, the department, and honestly, mostly everyone who was in touch with me in one form or another, it's just it, it's beyond words. Um, if I try to express how I feel, it's, it's difficult because to be able to do something like that was not something I could dream of, mm -hmm. you know? Like, I didn't, I didn't come in with the idea, idea that I'm gonna, you know, get a statue, like, it, it's a process. So the process essentially started in my freshman year where in my very first semester, I wrote a paper on the underrepresentation of women in the science community. And the, the whole idea was that I just saw that women, the, the number of women around me was not matching anywhere close to the number of men around me in engineering in my classes and stuff. So in order to kind of understand that better and why we have uh, these various um, programs, so I thought that uh, which support you know women in engineering, uh, I was like, you know what, I'm gonna read about this. And so I kind of I found a bunch of different things that basically helped me understand that better, like I read research papers. And so that happened in freshman year and then I became an RA, a resident advisor in my junior year. So for that I went through certain training, uh, which uh, RAs and um, have to go to, RAs and MAs have to go through. And that helped me understand, you know, the importance of diversity and the effects of uh, sort of being surrounded by a diverse group of people and how how do you uh, navigate that and learn from others. And I think part of those two things came together the summer after sophomore year and before I like officially became an RA because you have to take this course a semester before, at least I took the course a semester before I became an RA. So that got together and I was like, oh, maybe we can get a statue because if we are looking for representation that young women can see and young girls can see and feel that they are, uh, they can be in engineering and they, they they see themselves at, as a part of the community, then maybe we can solve this problem by having a statue and genuinely showing our commitment that we promote uh, diversity in engineering uh, here at Illinois. 
and so I, I started an, um, an online petition. And then from there, you know, it went, I collected signatures, then I went to the, like, I, w I discussed it among different, with, with the different RA staff that was there. And one of them suggested, hey, you should take it to the student senate. And I'm like, okay. And then I just took it to the student senate. And then from there, we went to the academic senate. And then it went to the dean. Of course, these things don't, didn't happen in a month. Like, this was over a period of a year, even more than a year, yeah, about a year that we went there. And then, of course, I reached out to the department head at one point, um, Professor Sanders, and then he remembered this. So, you know, it was just a whole process, but it unveiled, it, it unraveled so beautifully that it just feels like it was a very beautiful story <laughs> and that it was meant to be. But, uh, of course, there were, there were hurdles that I had to uh, jump and but it was it was good yeah yeah it's one thing to realize that this should happen it's another thing to make it happen right. uh, what um, what sorts of uh, input did you have on on what the statue would look like oh that's uh, that's a great question so what the idea from the beginning at least in my head was that I wanted it to be racially inclusive because I felt like we don't want to leave somebody behind or not and I shouldn't say behind, but I should say I don't want to have anyone be not represented, someone who cannot see themselves in the statue. And that was at least why I felt like that I would want it to be um, uh, in as inclusive as we can make it. Uh, and then, of course, to get feedback, uh, the whole point was that we wanted it to be a statue that is something the students envision in a way so we reached out to students so we formed a committee of student reps from different organizations in engineering and so there was like a rep from um, SWE there's a, like we reached out to a bunch of ACM IEEE we did we reached out to all these uh, students all, all organizations so that they can send one representative so that there's a rep from different fields of engineering, and they can give their feedback about, hey, you know, we would want to see her being confident, or we want to see it a particular way, or, you know, this is what we would want her to communicate to who sees her. And of course, with art, there's only so much you can control as, uh, based on what people see. Uh, it, it's art, you know, it's open to interpretation. But you can still hope that, you know, this thing can send this kind of a message and this is what we want people to feel when they see the statue. This is what we want young girls and uh, high schoolers and even women who are engineers or alumni who are going alumni who are going to come back uh, to see the statue and feel that, yes, it somehow uh, represents a part of them or it, it highlights what it is to be a woman engineer. So the quintessential engineer uh, has been on campus now for a, a couple of years, I think. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I know in I've given uh, a tour or two to some prospective uh, uh, women mm -hmm. uh, students, and they are impressed the fact that, uh, you know, that Illinois has taken this uh, commitment mm -hmm. um, to increasing uh, diversity within its student population. Yes, I think this is something uh, 
let's just put it this way i love this school a lot because honestly i don't know where else could i have been able to get a statue of a woman engineer and be like and have the whole project be embraced with so much love and with so much passion and uh, as you said a commitment to making it happen it's genuinely heartwarming to see that we are trying yes the numbers may not be the best but the numbers are changing we are trying our best to make those numbers change i think once we have a diverse group of engineers or or whatever whatever major uh, you want to see at uh, look at but for now if we limit ourselves to engineering particularly uh, a diverse group of people can f solve a diverse group of problems and end of the day what engineers are trying to do are is basically be problem solvers and s make it easier for other people to do what they would want to do that's what machines help us do right they reduce human effort um, and so by having a diverse group of people solve problems they can solve problems that one particular set might not even realize that those problems exist so i think that's super cool so that's just part of your story. Fittingly, um, you are working for one of the most impressive women uh, that I know in Jennifer Bernhard, certainly in the field of uh, electrical uh, engineering. Mm -hmm. Talk a little bit about your research because uh, it's very important, it's very relevant, and um, you know, it's something that's, that's gonna change the way we communicate. Right, so I work on antenna design. Uh, my master's thesis was on investigating the role of antenna parameters in reducing interference because how I see it or how I have read about it in different papers is that you know the number of handheld devices are increasing which means there's only so much frequency that they can operate on so there's more traffic if you may so there's more congestion and that congestion may lead to something that we call interference between devices and call cause some kind of degradation so what I was studying was how can we reduce that degradation by using antennas that are, you know, in wireless devices. And particularly uh, what I focused on was how do we use the antenna pattern, so the radiation pattern of the antenna to uh, kind of reduce interference in an indoor scenario. And so that was my master's thesis for my PhD dissertation. I'm still working on my project and like still deciding what exactly it's going to be like but right now for now i am dabbling with uh something that would be related to satellites uh but again i'm and this is something new and i'm working on it in defining it in a more concrete fashion hopefully in the next couple of weeks or maybe in a month or two i would have a more concrete uh, definition of what I would be working on. Well, this is a, an issue that affects virtually everybody. That uh, mm -hmm. I mean, uh, almost everyone has a handheld device of some kind. Yeah. And so that's, uh, that's an issue. And as there, there continue to be more and more, there's only so many frequencies out there to use. Yes, uh, that is th there's how I see it. Um, it's like there are these nice frequencies that everybody wants to operate in because uh, when you are making devices, right, it's such that you don't have just one component that you're making. There's this other 
set of components that need to work in order to get your signal to process and your message to be uh, kind of decoded. And while you can make one component that would work great at one frequency, the others might not. So there's a sweet spot where everything is the right size because the, the even the frequency of your device, of your operation, frequency of operation, plays a very important role in how big and small your antenna needs to be. But the world is headed towards, you know, smaller handheld devices and like, how, d how do I make it smaller? How do I make it more compact? And so that puts a pressure on the electronics that goes into making something work, making, you know, whatever handheld device you're looking at. So, so there's a sweet spot. There are a bunch of frequencies that are very well, very heavily used. And so, but sooner or later, we would need to move into a different set of frequencies that where uh, on which our devices can work and it would be a new, it will open a new set of channels that can be utilized. Or at least that's how I feel myself that I'm motivating myself into solving the problem is because uh, there's congestion or th there would be congestion and we need to figure a way out to um, get the track, like divert the traffic. Have you had a chance to present uh, papers on this topic and you know, talk a little about the feedback you're getting? Oh yeah, I did. I was uh, at Antenna and Propagation uh, Conference, Society Conference in San Diego in 26, no, 2017. Uh, and it was really nice to, you know, attend a conference and to actually hear people who, ha who know so much about this field, who have worked on it all their lives to actually give feedback about, oh, maybe you can try this thing and see how this works out. Oh, you know, this is a very cool topic. Uh, you know, let me know how you make progress. So I, I did get to hear that, and definitely a great experience with respect to just learning from others and just sitting in the room and hearing other people talk about and so passionately, you know, uh, describe their projects and also take interest in yours. So yeah, it was a pretty great experience. Well, you're still very young, and uh, but have you thought about future for yourself? I is this something that you want to continue uh, to build upon the research that you've done, or you see maybe going off into a, a different tangent? It is such an interesting question, and I wish I had a concrete <laughs> answer for you. Uh, I for now, I see myself, you know, getting my PhD. Uh, I really like teaching. Actually, I love teaching people. I have enjoyed working in industry as well and I like research too so it leaves it leaves me in a space where I'm still kind of figuring things out for myself and I think as I'll move forward in my uh, in my career here in school it will kind of open doors for me with respect to figuring out what is it that I really like and which way I want to take my career and and end of the day I don't think you need to do one of those three things you can do all three. It just you need to put in the required effort, but there's there's no rule that says that you can't be all these things. And uh, I wouldn't mind trying to be all these things. We'll see. Like I haven't made up my mind about this yet. Well, I want to give your chance to give some advice because certainly uh, you've been able to accomplish a lot in a, in a short period of time uh, for students, maybe uh, women are trying to get into engineering first off but just maybe uh, uh, anybody you know talk about the determination and the things that um, you you see you believe that it takes to be successful 
Right. Um, so thank you for first thinking that I am capable to give it. Like I'm, ooh, <laughs> this is big responsibility <laughs> to give advice to younger people. Um, I think the most important thing in my life, at least, has been not giving up and keep on trying and also knowing that if it doesn't work out one way then maybe you should reassess how you are approaching the problem there's if if things don't work out one way maybe there is something you're missing out and reaching back to your peers and you and again people who are senior to you in experience or in age in in whatever aspect of it you're looking at reaching out to them and getting their feedback, listening to your critics, like listen to what they have to say because sometimes they might give you really good information that you have overlooked. So uh, don't give up, uh, it's hard. It's very hard to not because giving up, is feel it feels good, right? Like to be like, you know what, I just can't, let's just move on. Mm -hmm. So it, it's painful to not give up. It's also painful to give up sometimes it's like, I don't want to give up but I'm so just stick with it is what I would say but be open to reassessing your approach because to expect the same thing that didn't work before to work the next time or the next time it just wouldn't make sense so reassessing is important but not giving up S just knowing that you can do it like for especially for women who are trying to get into engineering I know like I come from a place where I haven't had any kind of lack of female or women role models in my life. I mean, my mom is a doctor, she's a medical doctor, so I've never seen that you can't, oh, women cannot do STEM was never a thing for me. I was like, yeah, we always do things, what? But I also, the more I talk to people, the more I realize how much privilege it is that I have um, in having a, family that supports college education and a family where my parents are medical doctors and they see value of me getting into science. Uh, so to people who are trying to get into science and women who are trying to get in, in engineering, I say that you can do it. Like you have it in you. It's if, it's if you're passionate about it and you want to be one, go for it. Just fight for what you want and sometimes it's an uphill climb but the view is really good I can tell you the view <laughs> is worth the worth the hike <laughs> and of course I was telling you earlier that um, theater I've been doing theater uh, recently for the last three semesters I have been involved in doing theater on campus and it has been very therapeutic in terms of just feeling more wholesome and this is something I wasn't necessarily able to appreciate until I started doing it. And I always used to hear from people tell me that, hey, you know, there's this one thing I do that makes me forget of all my problems. Like, oh, I dance, and when I dance, I don't think about anything else, and I forget about whatever else I need to do. For me, that is, I didn't realize it, but that is theater. Like, when I would go to my rehearsal, I may have an exam next day, but when I am in that room, that's what I am doing, that's what I'm involved in, that's what I enjoy. And so what I want to tell people in general is that take care of yourself, try to find that one thing that lets you forget of other things in life that may be you know, keeping you 
a more occupied brain wise even when you are trying to rest and it could be theater it could be dancing it could be reading books it could be whatever you want to do but find it and once you do don't give up on it i think that's also very important because everybody has these crazy schedules when they are trying to do so many things and i mean i've been an undergrad i know how crazy it gets uh when it's finals week and so especially the finals week season which is approaching it's very important to sleep it's very important to take care of yourself and this is something i have started to appreciate very recently and i was one of those people you know who would pull up an all nighter if need be or we will deal with sleep later you know that was not something i prioritized but now i have become a person who is like well time to go to bed mm-hmm. because it it really makes me happy uh to be able to be fresh in the morning and to do things without feeling sluggish so take care of yourself and do things that make you happy well all very good advice and certainly get away from uh, things that uh, could occupy all of your thoughts um, is really, really good advice well it's been our pleasure uh, Sakshi Sarastava has been our guest I'm your host Mike Kuhn thanks for listening Illinois Innovators is a production of Engineering at Illinois. All rights reserved. We invite you to subscribe to the podcast through iTunes or SoundCloud by searching Engineering at Illinois. We hope you'll help grow our core of listeners by leaving a favorable rating on iTunes.